Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and gamers of all ages, it is us, the Blunt Force Gamers. It is I, your host, Game Goblin, sitting with Kazarkan, the Lord Dragon, and the Moniker. Darth Blasmus isn't here this week because he's, well, getting chummy with the new in-laws that he wants to have in the future. So it's just us three. Boy, oh boy. Boy, oh boy. That's okay, he just falls asleep halfway through the podcast anyway. <laughs> That's his normal thing. So today's or fart and we'd lose airtime. Oh yeah, or he'd fart and we'd lose airtime. For those who uh, listen to us, yes, he does gas out the entire room, and we do have to cancel the podcast and like hit pause and then run out of the room at high velocity when Darth Blasphemous rips ass. It happened. Like I think we lost five minutes of recording time. Uh, there's even a video of it on YouTube of our microphones picking up his squeaker. His squeaker. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I mean, I'm going to call it that because that's a nice way, but yeah, there's an outtake where we're doing a podcast and he just squeaks one out and the microphone's clearly picking up like five feet away. He's going to love this episode. Maybe. Anywho, our topic is something that's not really discussed very much in the internet osphere. And that's in your character development of actually adding in character backgrounds. And I've been kind of inspired by this one by finding out that I am Mongrorian. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, actually this plays really much into character design when you're making your character. Most characters go, oh, I'm from this country, but they don't really include family history beyond you know, maybe their parents or something. So I'm going to roll the intro, and we can get into discussing how people can make their characters more three-dimensional by giving them actual family history. Well, that sounds like fun. No, it doesn't. Probably not. Probably. <laughs> disgusting how? Is that what we're doing now? No, we're not doing disgusting. That's exactly what you said. Just roll intro. the intro. Feeling tired at the gaming table? Want to hear foul-mouthed jackasses poke fun at gaming companies when they screw up? Want an honest, street-level opinion from a team of gamers that call it like it is? Then Blunt Force Gamers may be the podcast for you. Listener discretion advised. And we're back after our usual can... I need to remix that thing. It's starting to get old. Yeah, we'll get there. The new intro. We need a new intro. Is what you're saying? I'm, I'm saying we need a new intro. That one's like two years old. I'm getting tired of listening to it. We'll figure know. it out. I don't know. Maybe I'll just go on the deep web and get you know some audio of children screaming in agony. <laughs> you know, just because I think that seems to sum up our podcast in short. It's just <laughs> the sound of innocent people screaming in terror at the sound of stupidity. I don't know. Eh. I mean, I, Blasphemous I, I, isn't here. We shouldn't be knocking him quite that bad. I am not knocking on Blasphemous. I'm knocking on myself. It's self-degrading humor. The Deep Web, home of the world's greatest collection of art films. Hey, I found myself for sale and I bought myself. It's not bragging rights, <laughs> but whatever. Did that come with a receipt? Shit. Ah, there you go. Well, All right, so... I'm sure you're going to have problems later for that. So, th so here's the weird part, you know, like earlier in the week I was looking some stuff up and I was like, hey, you know what, I've got like this weird, rare blood type and stuff, and so I just decided to start looking into it, and it turns out that like, say, rough, rough guesstimate here, about 25 generations previously, one of my ancestors was used as a dish rag by a Mongrorian, right? So this means I'm possibly, potentially, because, okay... Anthropologists have discovered that my specific blood type did not exist in Europe until around the year 1000 to 1100, uh -huh. when the Mongolians first came over and said, hey, look, another 7-Eleven. <laughs> started trashing it. So I was like, oh, this is pretty interesting. You know, so I started delving into, you know, how this would work out. And then I realized, you know, that, you know, as far as gaming is concerned, most player characters... When they create their character, they might go, you know, this is my mom, this is my dad, we live in Lonely Mountain, and we're all dwarves. That's the end of it. They really don't come up with a family history beyond that. I mean, granted, in most role-playing games, you don't really need to, per se, but it still would be a point of interest, you know, that maybe you have a character go, well, my great-great-grandma actually lived in Absalom. Or you have player characters, you know, who kind of, like, pivot on kind of the real-world narrative, where you could have Chalaxians living in Ustengrav, and I'm, I'm referencing Pathfinder locations right now, but you could have Chalaxians living in Ustengrav who still identify as being Chalaxians. You know, even if they're like two or three generations removed, because we do this in America all the time. 
How many people in America identify as being Irish or Scottish or French or German? We're not. We're Americans, but we still... Oh, yeah, yeah. If you go back several generations, I, King John is one of my ancestors. Yeah. Even though, technically, King John is pretty much everybody's ancestors, because that guy just got it on. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think my ex and another friend are both related to Abe Lincoln. Did you just say, hey, Blinken? You can hear that however you want. No. Oh, my God, dude. The door was open for a reference to Robin Hood men in tights, and you did not walk into it. It's been a while. I'm not good with film. Apparently. It's a good thing I didn't say hachu. Bless you. <laughs> no, man, that's my name. <laughs> See? Bam. That's, that's the way it's supposed to work. That was Dave Chappelle, wasn't it? Yeah, that was Chappelle. Yeah. Yeah. Good movie. <clears throat> Great movie. Too many pop culture references, but it still stands the test of time in many ways. Yeah. All right, all right. So, character backstories. The interesting thing about this is, this is how you help the DM build worlds. This is a really easy way for players to contribute to the world war. It's like, well, what's your family known for? What, what do you, like, let's go back three or five generations. Well, uh... I come from a long lineage of dragons, and six generations back, we jumped down to humans. Wow, because my family's history in D&D land is we are all the premier makers of popsicle sticks. See? Even then, that's all of a sudden, that's an entire lore story. Like, I helped build a campaign for a friend of mine. Like, she's DMing it, and... Functionally, the entire campaign is hingent upon one of the character's pasts. All of it. Yeah, see, my Pathfinder character is a product of Snoo Snoo, so... <laughs> Snoo Snoo! Yeah. Yeah, it's I just one of those things. died to it. <laughs> my but father almost. Your father almost died to Snoo Snoo. Yeah. <laughs> Until a woman came in walking on stilts to, you know, help him escape, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> father was a mer- uh, caravan merchant. Mother was a orc, or uh, yeah, half orc, something like that. I don't know. I don't know my character. Well, you know orcs better than the rest of us. Do um, underground orcs who live underground, you know, all, otherwise known as deep orcs, mm-hmm. are they just known as dorks? Yes. Okay, just wanted to know. <laughs> That's why I call them dork. Dork from orc. Nanu nanu. <laughs> <laughs> Came to the surface in a giant egg. <laughs> No, I, but in all due seriousness, though, one of the things I rarely see player characters do, and the GM does this in abundance. I'm sure Kazrakan has done this a bunch of times. I always do it. Blasphemous has touched on it. When you're doing making like a royal family, there's always like this long lineage. You know, Roland the Third gave birth to Tarkane, Dumbledore, whatever the fuck name the second, first of his name, who gave birth to uh, God, what's Johnny Boy, name? the second, you know, it just goes on and on and on and on. And they come up with these long, great lineages with all these heroic exploits. And rarely do you see a player character who's playing like a paladin or whatever, who comes from a long line of a warrior family. He says, well, you know, my great-great-grandfather was one of the first ones to conquer the Northlands. Yeah. yeah. So it's one of those ways that a player character could really build their character is by actually building a family history say even if it's only like a handful of generations it's beyond mother and father yeah you know they could actually say well you know my family isn't originally from this land my grandfather on my mother's side is actually from X land yeah you know the X-Men land <laughs> and I just from what I've seen I think it's because you know D&D is such a party based game and you know your characters usually are on their own and have little interactions with their family, at least in the games that I've seen. I, I think most players just don't see a need to do with that, but... They do, but if you're playing a character of a royal lineage, yeah, you sure. should have some of this stuff down on paper. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 What I'm just trying to say is I, I don't think a lot of players, you know, usually... Think about it? Yeah, think about that sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean, maybe they do, because, you know, I'm still relatively new to this all of role-playing, but from what I've seen and from what I've heard from friends who've been in this way longer than I have, it's just, you know, beyond their parents... That's, you know, their character's parents, they don't add much. You're lucky if they even add parents in most cases. Most people seem to prefer to play orphans. Yeah. Or... My parents are dead! Or... Yeah, it's 
it's a tragic hook. That's what it is. It's where's the, the big bad evil guy? Yeah, exactly. So Alfred, play, you know, I need the bad paladin armor. That guy. <laughs> so you can play that guy, or that guy. you know, the edge lord orphan rogue, because that's what they all are. Yeah, we're looking at you, fuckers. Yeah, anyway, um, I cannot refute that. Right? I would like to, but I cannot refute that almost every orphan rogue is a freaking edge lord. Yeah. You can find me like three def three people who have made not who've made orphan rogues that aren't edge lords. Send them our way. You know, I, three. The problem is now that the challenge has been accepted, and I could do it. I know I could do it easy, but now that the challenge is out there, it just become completely like what, what do they call it? Hypo hypocritical of me to do such a thing? Yeah. Without yeah. now that you know about it. Now that I know about it, yeah. Um, but. You know, family history can also be used for villain characters, and this is something Goblin has touched on in our Making Villains episodes. Playing the victim card three or five generations back. So now you're you're playing on stuff that's happening. My well ancestor Tiberius was conquered by your elven people. Yeah. <laughs> and now all of a sudden you have that that victim card to play and slap people around with. You Which know. is actually a really good item for a villain to play, is because a lot of people who do play that victim card usually turn out to be villains. Yeah, pretty much. It's like, you know, the, oh, woe is me, I'm morally better than you because something that happened to my family that I had no control over in generations past. Yeah. Wah, look at me, I'm the villain now. I turned into an anti-paladin because I'm so filled with grief over something that never happened to me. See, now, I, I the only scene I can think of is Doofenshmirtz. Uh, from fucking Doofenshmirtz. <laughs> so you became a villain because you lost a toy. Yes, I lost Choo Choo. That's it. That that's your whole reason for being evil. I'm gonna conquer all these lands and murder all the people in it because my mother wasn't given two scoops of ice cream like she was promised by your dwarven peoples. <laughs> fucking dwarves. <laughs> yeah, and, and you can see, like, we're starting to giggle now because this is getting a little outlandish. But it, it is, is outlandish, but it's also true. Yeah, humans are. Petty as fuck. <laughs> like, it, it is true. It doesn't take much for us to just create these blood feuds that last way too long over trivial shit. Right? Or, and octopus now have uh, shown this. There was a tale of an octopus that escaped its tank uh, after being fed shrimp, made its way across the hall, and threw a bad shrimp onto the guy who fed its desk because it found a bad one. Oh, I read about that. That's funny. It was a little bit of an interesting article, but that doesn't help us with backgrounds and... That's like... That's like a character... That's a human level. That, that's a human level. It's, it's just like... Traffic is like super crazy, but that one guy over there who you don't like and you just watch him litter and you're like some eco-freak and you just decide to cross the road regardless of traffic just so you can flip him off. <laughs> Clean your mess, dude. Here's my middle finger. Yeah, right? That is... That is the same kind of level of petty that we are capable of. Rooney. And we know that someone's going to do it. So. I, I don't... Um, go again back on the topic here, because we are <laughs> digressing as we Quite normally bit, do. Yeah. It is, though, I think important for many player characters to at least have some sort of written notes on their character sheet of family lineage beyond just their parents. Because I think it does make a character more interesting and dynamic. Especially if you're playing a game that's less dungeon crawly and more diplomatic, or you're doing more exploration games. Right. To have a character who says, oh, well, on my great-grandfather's side, on my mother's side, or go and say, well, you know, my family is originally from this land over here, but, you know, when we migrated, it was because, you know, Gold Rush. Right. And so your character, and a lot of D&D characters, really, when you make them, don't fit into the culture they designed them for in the first place. And, you know, this is an easy way to deal with that. It's like, well, I came out of this culture, but this is the culture of my parents, you know, two, three, four generations back. So I took on kind of that trait of things. And that's, you know, all of a sudden the same character, the same stat block, the same ability scores, everything. One is more interesting because he's paying attention to what his family lineage is. Yeah, I think the only ones that do that actually are dwarves. Typically, yeah. Typically, dwarves are like, oh, yeah, I'm descended from Garm Ironhammer, like 16 generations ago in the deep belly of the Overlord Mountain. Yes, yeah, because you have elves and they're like, oh, yeah, my great grandfather Feindel, yeah, he's right over there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way elves are. Well, we don't talk about those poncy ass lily knife ears. Fuck elves and Eldar. 
If you can tell, I'm racist and I hate elves. <sighs> Maybe you shouldn't call them knife ears. Goblin ears aren't exactly round either. Hey, 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 hey. Do not hate on goblins. I wasn't stating. I will fucking beat your ass out of my house. <laughs> Carrying on. Back to lineage. You will go back home with my boot print on your ass. You do not talk about my people that way. <laughs> elves, you can say anything you like. I don't give a fuck. But goblins, we've had it rough our entire lives. Fucking human supremacists always encroaching in on our lands and hunting grounds. See? And now we've got another lineage that's being discussed. Lineage of goblins. Lineage as a species. You can play those if you do it right, if you're paying attention. If your character has a reason to, or was taught as a kid, you know, these things have happened, these things were, were happening, and this is the reason that we think has happened, or what happened, whatever. All of a sudden, you have this interesting story element that... Goblin kind now has this history of oppression, which it does, and there's a lot of other crazy stuff going on there. But it's, it's not our fault we burned down a forest. Yeah, I, can I just say on a side note, the idea of orc lineage to me is really fucking funny. Oh, my great grandfather, he was a war boss. When was that? Last week. <laughs> <laughs> Last week. <laughs> well, orcs, I would see, is more like. Again, heralding back, I think it would be more like war clans where, like, the biggest, strongest orc is running around just, for lack of better words, plowing every field he can find. Yeah. <laughs> so the number of orcs who are related to a war boss would be just astronomical. Yeah, I mean... It would be something similar to the the Kangas Khan argument. Yeah. Hey, are you making fun of my potentially 85% chance that I have Mongols as ancestors? No, but there are a large number of people in that same boat, and thus with orcs it would be same. Hey, well, similar. Very similar. I mean, probably a lesser number, but... That becomes even funnier if you look at 40k orcs, because they're just spores that just kind of appear. Yeah. <laughs> what was your lineage? I don't know. I never knew my dad. I never knew my dad. Talk about mushroom people. They're growing out of spores. Yeah. yeah, they, yeah it's they are fungal. Yeah, and 40k orcs are literally just fungus. Okay, so this makes me ask another question of our orc expert. Yeah. So if an orc walks into a barn, he doesn't get a date. Can he say, why not, because I'm a fun guy? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if they're smart enough. <laughs> See, I'm just, just the eye of a curiosity. A while ago, I was talking to a uh, owner of, of a uh, local game store around here, and how orcs work is, you know, you have the warp in 40k, right? This is a side note, but... Orcs are the most psychically in-tuned race in the entirety of that uh, universe. The problem is they are not aware of that fact because, for the most part, they don't care about it. But <laughs> So what happens is, if enough of them believe something to be true, they can bend the laws of reality just because they think it's right. Red ones go faster! So my idea, exactly, red ones go faster. Like, if enough of them believe that, if you paint your vehicle red, it will go faster because it's red. What I was thinking, and what we were thinking with this local game shop... You know that old game, The Floor is Lava? Oh, yeah. Yeah, tell that to a bunch of orcs, get them to believe it. Boom, flame retardant orcs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could just imagine the scene, like, it'd be like, <laughs> just, my brain is imagining a shitload of orcs, and, like, you get the one that's got a little bit more neurons clicking inside of his head, uh -huh. holding back his orc brother on the front, like, no, the ground is lava, do not go forward. <laughs> <laughs> Then, of course, they'd scream and do it anyway. Yeah, and then you got that one who's like, no, me fireproof. Then he proves that orcs are fireproof or some shit. Like, no, grounded lava. <laughs> <laughs> and thus, the Imperium dies. Yeah. Ragok, don't do it. <laughs> the floor is lava. <laughs> you my brother. <laughs> then you got, like, one, he runs up and he throws a pillow on the ground, you know, and then, like, hops from one pillow to another pillow like a little kid. <laughs> yeah. Very disturbing thought. When you, you see consider... a line of orcs all just trying to make it through a couch floating out in the middle of the lava. <laughs> <laughs> Back to lineages. Back to lineages. I know, we digress a lot. That's what we do. <laughs> it's fine. It gives the podcast a more natural feel, I think. To a degree, to a degree. Hey, at least yeah. we can insert jokes this way, right? right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, what was it? Clever Halfling. segues. Halflings. Halflings. Halfling clans are interesting because a lot of the, like, in D&D... Halflings get an ambient plus one to, like, attack rolls, I think it is. Yeah, they get a plus one to throwing rocks at things. 
Yeah, they get they get one random, slightly overpowered plus one. It's, it, it's I think it's called halfling luck. Harkening back to Tolkien stuff, huh? Yeah, harkening back to Tolkien. But the thing is, the reason for that, if you look into the canon of D and D and even Pathfinder, it's because of their stories, the stories that have been passed down generations, right? That plus one luck is because somewhere down the line, great grandpa. And great-great-grandma each told stories about this thing. They were a little different, but it, there's a bit of a theme. That, actually, that is a good point. It does play in the ancestry is collected histories of said ancestry. Mm-hmm. So, like, when you got elves, those poncy, lily-soft-skinned, knife-eared, motherless... Fucking, anyway, elves... They, they do the, their traditions of training and practicing with swords and bows at an early age, plus they're magically imbued. Tree fuckers. Tree fuckers, exactly. But well, at the same token, you when you have another tribe of... Uh, Ella, Night I, ears. I hate to refer to them by their proper name just because they're so low class, but yeah, elves, knife ears. You could have another group of them off to another side, and their ancestry and their tribe is that less sword play, more magic play. Yeah. And then you get like these weird racial diversions within the same group. You know, so you got one set of elves like the forest elves who are better at archery, and then you got the high elves who focus more on melee and sword play. Yeah. So you get these kind of like diversions, and halflings the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's part of their ancestry. So you, even at that, a player character can write it up. You know the. Their great-great-grandfather was actually, like, this legendary swordsmith, and yeah. he made sure every sword that he sold was, like, perfectly balanced. And how did he do that? By engaging into uh, battle as a low-line frontman, and he just got really good at it. Yeah. And you became an adventurer to carry on his legacy. Yeah, that's cool. And, you know, I'm just going to take a second to be serious here. I know, you know, our listeners have heard me shit on elves a lot. At the end of the day, I mean, elves are just as cool as any of the other races to me, but... One thing I always like, and especially in Lord of the Rings, is I do like how elf lineage usually plays out, because it's usually the most in-depth and has the most interesting stories. And the thing I like about, like, wood elves and stuff, um, usually wood elves anyway, is um, the more feral aspect to them, you know? I like elves that kind of break a stereotype, you know, aside from, the, you know, the kind of... Stuck up Ponzi knife. Yeah, stuck up Ponzi kind of, you know, almost angelic, you know. Oh uh, well, high elves. I, uh, yeah, like I, high elves. But, yeah, they're um, just arrogant pricks. Let's carry on. I just. But the thing um, about well, knife uh, lineage. Just, I just finish uh, what you're gonna say, Gob. I hate to admit it, but you know, Kate Blanchett yeah. as Gladriel, the shit I'd let her do to me. <laughs> Dude, there isn't a nerd who hasn't, you know. Who doesn't agree with you on that one? And then when she was dressed up as Hella, that was Hella tight. Ba-dum. Bam! Fantastic. Okay. All right. I would like to explore her minds of Moria. <laughs> 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 oh, you got me, dude. <laughs> well done. Oh, Jesus well done. Fucking Christ. <laughs> the thing about Elvish. Uh, Lineage is the fact that, you know, due to their ridiculously long life, they can have five and six generations just camping out in the same town. So you'll know your grandparents in a way that humans, halflings, gnomes, other short-lived races, you know, goblins, kobolds, sort of thing, won't be able to. Like, when your lifespan is 35, 40 years, averaged, doesn't really matter what else, you're not going to get much past three or four generations, but elves with, you know, six, seven hundred year lineages, or lifespans, you could pretty easily have, I don't know, eight generations, depending mm-hmm. on gestation period, living at the same time. Well, it also depends on, because they, the way they present them in the books, they reach maturity by, like, around the age of 150 to 200, and even at that, even if they were to have a kid, it's another 200 years before they decide to settle down and have a kid, more than likely... Yeah. If we're going to draw parallels to the human lifespan, we're looking at 400 years before they have kids. It's still easy to see that elves would only have three, maybe four generations living at the same time. Yeah. I it's, suppose it depends on how big Unless they, they are. were a really frisky family and, you know, maybe... Dark elves. <laughs> well, maybe one of the kids got accused of being a bit of a vagla and decided to prove, no, he doesn't sleep with other men by sleeping with his mom. 
Well, you know, it's funny that we're mentioning all this because that's just, how just saying how the Dark Eldar and uh, 40k actually came about because they were just getting to such hedonistic snuff sex that they literally murder fucked one of the chaos gods into existence, and so they were they split into two factions. You have the Craftlord Eldar, who like, okay, we fucked up both literally and figuratively, so we need to live aesthetic, you know, aesthetic lives to uh, preserve our race, and then you had the other half who were like. Yeah, so our souls go to the to the Fudinari god. Life's still good. Fuck it. Literally and figuratively. Yeah, the Dark Elves... They're at least more uh, honest about who yeah. they are. Yeah. They're good. Interesting. What, looking at the Dark Elves in 40k is like watching the video out of Event Horizon. Yeah. Brother to the man. Yeah. It's, honestly, I think the Dark Elves are way more of a terrifying faction than, you know, the Chaos Marines, the Tyranids, or any of them, because they're just so hedonistic and just open about the fact that they're evil and they still don't give a shit and they're like yeah so our souls are gonna go to the god you know what we're still gonna get our rocks off until then <laughs> <laughs> that would make for a very interesting family lineage if you were playing a uh, the Warhammer Warhammer 40k uh, role playing game yeah, 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 and you play a dark elf, and you know somebody asks about your family history, and you're like, "Well, it all began when Grampy decided to run a box cutter up my niece's spine." Yeah, let me tell you a story. And that's the shit they do down there in that city. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, the sound of banjos in dark elf land is exceptionally scary. <laughs> Boy, why don't you come around here that often down here in these dark elf lands? <laughs> He's got a pretty mouth and a pretty everything else. Chop him up. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna make this one a puppet. <laughs> I'm gonna make sweet, sweet love to his lungs. <laughs> Bring me a kidney. I want to. I want to touch that one too. You know what they're like? You know the little woodland creatures from South Park? Yeah. Yeah, they're pretty much like that. Exactly. Hail Satan. Yeah. All right. Well, we're talking about accumulated law, accumulated knowledge of ages, dwarfs, and stone cunning. Dwarves and engineering, or gnomes and engineering, any of the real racial cultural traits are based on the accumulated knowledge of the past. I would say that's a, that's true. As also, it's not just accumulated knowledge passed down, but it's their living environment. Yeah, like stone cutting. Most dwarves typically live underground in the mountains. You know, taking on the experience and uh, wisdom of their elders. It's like, oh, of that course one you're going to stone cutting. That one is marble. That one is granite. Here's how you can tell the difference. So stone cutting is pretty much no difference than finding that weird flaw in your floor from just living in your house for a really long time. Yeah. You just know the boards are going to creak in certain areas, and when you walk into somebody else's house, you're like, oh, they have similar floors. They're going to creak in a similar way. Stone cutting is like, I've lived underground my whole life. I know what a 2% slope feels like. Yeah. It's, it's exactly that. But also, you know, this stereotype archetype that a dwarf smith, a dwarf forger, and an elf forger, are, or a blacksmith, are pretty well in competition with each other, because they've both got hundreds of years of experience and master's knowledge passed down. That's, you know, this going into backgrounds now. I played a game with a character who was an elf monk. Don't do it, Goblin. You have so much to game for. No, I was just thinking that'd be a great way to torture somebody. Uh-huh. Uh, for our audience, I'm playing with one of those, like, little butane torches. I was just thinking, what would happen if you put a butane torch and just pointed the little blue flame at somebody's teeth? Stick it up their nose. Just That that would suck so much <laughs> balls to have a butane torch taken to your teeth. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I think one of the best, like, just kind of fucked up, like, torture to methods came from Yahtzee. Imagine getting your teeth removed with a pizza slicer. I... I... <laughs> the, the, the physics. Yeah. Just... Brain hurt. Mouth hurt. <laughs> Mouth hurt. It just... Hurt. The angle you'd have to... With the cutter and... Bone density structure and... <laughs> All right, all I mean, right. With, a, with a claw hammer, I can accept that. But you, you want me to run to the kitchen real quick? <laughs> Our pizza cutter can't do it. I think it's a piece of shit. Oh, even uh, better. <laughs> I would. I would rather have my teeth removed with a shrimp fork. Oh come on, we're not called the blunt force gamers for nothing. That's not blunt. It's kind of sharp. Our approach to life is blunt. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Oh goodness. 
You guys are a hoot. Character lineages. Character <laughs> lineages. <laughs> Character backgrounds as well. Yeah. So the whole reason, like, he was a monk. His whole shtick was he basically spent all of his time working to build the be- the perfect blade. That was his life's mission. Elf, you know, hundreds of years, uh, 150 years old or so. He's been working at a forge for most of his life. And he just carries in, into battle one of his swords to test it. Like um, Goblin mentioned, one of the family uh, elves long ago, the master swordsmith, made every sword perfectly balanced. How do you do that? By playing with it in the field. Well, there's no better way to learn than actually, like, put yourself to the test. Yeah. And, you know, but this led to a lot of interesting decisions by him. It's like, his whole shtick was every time, like, he had this fit of peak every time he did it wrong. Like, he would make it. It would come out not quite perfect. He would try a little bit more, and then eventually just scrap the whole project, carry on his way. Basically a vagrant uh, blacksmith. So you can say he was a bit wayward. Quite a bit. Then trying to follow a family tradition of smithing. I think it was his own mission. So I he don't was know a... if his family was actually involved in that decision. And he, he would always go his own direction even after failure. Pretty much. So he would just carry on my wayward son. There it is. I knew it was coming. Build the piece when he is done. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about that. Making the perfect sword seems like it's not a very peaceful. I thing. bring you love, love, love. I bring you love, love, love. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be an interesting character. He is like, I bring you love. He hits him with a stick. <laughs> just, uh, his, what was that, that old, um, um, the Mel Brooks stick. movie? Oh, that, there was a down. Yeah, History old... of the World, like, part two or something like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the first marriage, clunk, drag. Clunk, drag. <laughs> Sounds right. Ugh. Now, an interesting character concept with this same idea is you build, say, a scholar. It doesn't really matter the class, but his whole shtick is he's trying to figure out his family lineage. He knows, you know, three or four generations back, and he's heard six and seven, but he hasn't got that middle section right now. He's just trying to figure out what the hell's going on with his family. You know, all of a sudden, that's an entire campaign for that character. That was a driving motivation. That's a reason for having the skills you have. That's talking about your family lineage. Well, I think uh, you bring up a point there, and then segue off of that just ever so slightly. Is that a character's lineage in the roleplay game can actually be part of their reason as to why they're motivated to adventure. Mm-hmm. After all, when you're adventuring in, say, Dungeons & Dragons, or even in Warhammer or any of the technologically-based games like yeah. uh, Rifts, you know they're going to have records and data point areas that are not really easily accessible by the average common person. Yeah. And so to learn more about your character's family ancestry, it's like, oh, well, why are you going to the ruins of Chicago? And it's like, well, my ancestors came from Chicago originally before... The collapse of society. Yeah, it's like one of the greatest mysteries in 40k is um, one of the most popular Space Marine chapters is the Blood Ravens. You know, uh, they were first introduced to the video game, so they weren't canon at first, but now they've been officially adopted into the canon. And they don't know who their gene father is. You know, they're the Primarch who um, sired it, who sired them, and so that's their whole deal. And it's kind of a joke too because um, I got well, daddy issues. Yeah, they have daddy issues. Um, a lot of you know space <laughs> I'm marine take chapters. Take on you. <laughs> a lot of space marine chapters will have like relics of their primarch. The Blood Ravens just have relics of every other chapter's primarch <laughs> except their own, and they're always looking to get more stuff. So that's why they're always considered like thieves because they're just like uh, bolt everything down. The Blood Ravens are going to be here soon <laughs> because they don't want to know who daddy was. <laughs> yeah, so right? that's that's funny. Well, See, like when you think about it, that entire chapter can be described. I have daddy issues, so I'm going to take him out on you, heathen. Well, what, what, the Space Marines are, is, I think, fantasy's greatest daddy issues, because there's 20 of them. I think there's a lot more than that. There's supposed to be something like a thousand chapters. Oh, well, yeah, there's, like, there's thousands of chapters, but they all stem from, uh, 18 Primarchs. Technically 20, but we don't talk about the other two. <laughs> we don't talk about him. We, we don't talk about them. We don't talk about... Oh, why not? <laughs> because we don't talk about them. <laughs> but, okay, so they went to a certain club where they were boxing each other, underground, sort of, we don't talk about them, kind of talk about them? 
Yeah, we don't talk about them. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so Baba has bitch tits, but we don't talk about them. <laughs> yeah, that's why the Emperor kicked him out. He's like, oh, you got man titties. That's not part of my perfect design. Get out of here. Hey, his <laughs> name was Robert Paulson. <laughs> you see, in death, a space marine does have a name. His name was Robert Paulson. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. So yeah, it's um, at least in 40k, what makes it so interesting is lineage is all everything about the Space Marines, you know? Because not just in terms of personality, but also um, uh, in terms of on a physical aspect, too, because they are, when they make a Space Marine, they do get imbued with, you know, their Primarch's genetic code. So, um... They're, they're, hi- they're hyper-advanced clone with gene tailoring. Yeah, exactly. That is exactly what space marines are. And yeah. then they're indoctrinated into a hyper-religious and hyper-rigid structure, and thus you have Warhammer's grunts of doom. Yeah, pretty much. Like, you know, if you get, like, um, Salamander's space marines, you know, they're gonna generally be seen as much more... I feel like friendly is too soft of the word, but Space Marines, even though they're fighting for the little man, they don't give that much of a shit about the little man, whereas the Salamanders might. But they also, be, through you know the gene seed process, become adept with um, adept at the forge, you know, and uh, also because of how their uh, Primarch was Vulcan, being raised on a really inhospitable planet. Even if they're you know white as I am. With after that gene seed processing, their skin literally turns like obsidian black, and they get like red coal eyes because that's what their Primarch looks like. So for them, it's all about lineage, and I think it's really cool how it um, comes into contact with one another. See, so again, we're just that that story is actually rehashing on something we've already talked about, where you have a cultural identity or you have a genetic identity, and it plays into part of your character's ancestry. Yeah. So, you know, when you're playing a character, of course, we're referring to D&D a lot, because that's kind of like the granddaddy of all the games. Yep. But at the same time, it could be your reason for actually going out in the world and doing something is because if you're a Dark Elf, you're out there campaigning against your other Dark Elf brethren, Drizz style, and I hate that character, but I'm going to say Drizz style. You know, you're, oh, you know, not all of us, hashtag not all Dark Elves. Or you could actually be playing up the stereotype and being a kabold and be like running around building traps for the combat battlefield to help out your allies and going, oh yeah, well we kabolds, you know, we get stepped on, but we're actually smarter than all of you think we are. No. So, yeah. you got the same thing with the salamanders going on as you. you got the salamanders, they're out there, you know, giving props to their gene daddy person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they might give you the time of day before they shoot you. Yeah. So that's pretty polite. Yeah. As far as Space Marine chapters go, they're yeah, that's yeah, pretty out of, polite. Out of the twenty of them, there's only like two of them where you know they weren't. It was part of their culture not to be just completely destructive to the populations. Yeah, it's not a destructive wave. It's like what was it? There, isn't there a chapter you mentioned it? It was like they send five or six of them, and that's overkill for a planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's some of them who are like that. Um, and like it literally raised the entire fucking planet with six dudes. Yeah. Is um, wow! Yeah. Talk about power escalation, right? Yeah. But at the same time, you know that's that's forty k. Forty is that the forty k chapter curve. of Gary Stews? Gary yeah. Stews, yeah, they're called the Ultramarines. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, uh, but you know, that board. there's there's a lot of lineage that you can pull from, and you know, you can pull from various lineages of the real world if you want to add cultural. For example, um. Samurai, right? We'll take the we'll take the samurai class out of Pathfinder. Just very Oriental style. It's well, Oriental is not a politically correct word. It's modeled after they're Asians. Thank you. uh, Feudal feudal knights, feudal lords of Japan, the samurai. Mm -hmm. This is you know this is what they were modeled after. This is you know long history back, but they have their own kind of feel to them rather than just a fighter. But functionally, they're relatively similar. I mean, there's different things that they can do, but a fighter for Europe is, you know, your standard plate mail and long sword and board, versus a samurai has a very different style of a long sword in the katana. So you can bring your cultural heritage 
and you know their reverence for the past, their reverence for their ancestors yeah. from other cultures. I always like, like the samurai thing, where it's you know this swordsman passed down. You know, I know I know it's a bit of a cliche, but I still think it's cool. Yeah, and like this is another thing. You know, as an adventurer, how did you get your starting gear? Well, that also brings down? into play not only just cross culture. You know, your character could be from say a game setting that has a Japan variant, but it's a European setting. But your GM despite, you know, not letting you, really wanting you to play that character, says, okay, go ahead, play your samurai character, even though we're in medieval England kind of setting. Yeah. You know, they might let that go on, but that brings in the other question. What about half races? Because half races, if we do the modern day parallel, most of them are going to stick to one side or the other. Like, half elves are kind of like the epitome of being trapped genetically between two different worlds. Yeah. They're not human enough to be accepted by humans, but they're not elven enough to be accepted by humans. So they're kind of like that weird gray area where they're not really... They're, they're like mentally homeless. You know, they yeah. don't really have a family that they can draw on. Or if they do, it's because one side is favored over the other, or you get the rare gem cases where it's actually a fully loving family, despite the age difference and the fact that one of them is going to die in 30 years, as opposed yeah. to 600. So, you know, there's a lot of weirdness that goes on with that, and you're right, half-elves do fit everywhere and nowhere, because they have that breadth of knowledge. They have both sides to draw from. It's like, look, I have the ears... I have at least some of the bloodline. You can let me in, and we can see where I where we go from there. On the other side, it's pretty easy to just wear a hat or keep your hair long, and all of a sudden, you can blend in with the normal humies and pinkskins. You know, it's oh, so you easy. play a half elf wizard, tell everybody you live wrong and perspire. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. See, and you know, make them a water mage just to add a little bit of spice to it. Yeah, see, like, even half-orcs fit the same uh, narrative because they're not savage enough to be true orcs, but they're not civilized enough to be, you know, considered humans either. Or people, or like tieflings. Yeah. Tieflings are the exact same. People see the red skin and the horns, and they're like, Neh. And they automatically assume. I mean, the same with Asimar. Like, all Asimar in every book is exactly the same fucking thing. You know, it's always somebody sees an Asimar. Oh, it's the good guy! You know, for all we know, this could be like the Asimar who's running the mega church, who's running around taking donations, preaching the word of the God. Nobody realizes that this guy is just bankrolling mass amounts of coin in the background, and he's just playing everybody like a bitch. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, nobody you know. ever realizes it with these half races, and I think when a player wants to make a social commentary character, they should really play a half race. And, you know, like. Their lineage could be anything they want it to be. Like, the elven side could be completely screwed, messed up, and the human side could be actually the nice side. And they're caught in between not only these two dichotomously different sides, because not every family gets along. Quite a bit. This but then when they get out into the world, they're outcast from both of their lineages as well. So, like, I mean, where does that character really write up his lineage and relate? I mean, that's a very yeah. complex character when you want to build one. Yeah, and you know the other, you know, there's also things like fallen Asimar or virtuous uh, tieflings. So these things exist, and they're commentaries in their own right, you know. And that's the thing is, you know, you can make your character interesting with simple little things. The simple little things can make, you know, the campfire stories very, very interesting. It's like, well. Anyone got any neat stories? I mean, there's this one story my grandfather told me. I mean, guys want to hear it, and you BS some story that sounds old-timey. Well, it all started when my grandfather took a shirt off and brought out a jar of oil. <laughs> Wait, oh, no. this isn't a campfire time story, is it? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Sickest dwarf ever. Half-orc bad, uh, bedtime stories must have <laughs> oh, there, there's always the bathroom telling. stories, or you know the uh, time when Grandpa would make us play vacuum the carpet. <laughs> vacuum the carpet. Hey, I'm gonna hate on dwarves too because goddamn they're overplayed. It's like, oh no, wait, I'm not doing dwarf right. It was like, oh, the time they made us play vacuum the carpet. You know, every time it's like a dwarf is somehow magically from Scotland, right? Yeah. Every time. I just want to hear a dwarf, you know, like, ding dong dong day, and you're like, what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can do anything, you know. Uh, what was it? 
uh, Godsfall podcast. It's a D&D campaign podcast set in a low magic setting. Uh, the guy, there's one character, he plays a dwarf paladin, and his accent is not Scottish. It's a very unique little blend, and I can't replicate it, I'm not going to try. But it's an interesting thing, because, like, it's been noticed. It's like, it's not magically Scottish. It's all of a sudden its own unique thing. Are dwarves just usually seen as Scottish because of Lord of the Rings? I mean, because, like, dwarves are, Nor like, a Scandinavian in origin, so... Uh, I think it was because the way uh, Lord of the Rings was written, it was, in many ways, a commentary on religion that people don't really get very often. It was also a a social-political commentary as well. Uh, Like the halflings, well, we all know that they come from the little island that has no snakes on it. It's pretty obvious after a while. You know, you got the um, Industrial Revolution coming in and just destroying all of nature wherever it goes. So obviously Saruman... Yeah, he's one of those rich East India Empire kind of guys. <laughs> so it, it yeah. was a, it was a social political commentary in a lot of its ways, and the way Tolkien written dwarfs at the time, you know, being clannish and having their own symbols to dis- differentiate which clan. Yeah, it, it gets kind of obvious as to why people keep playing dwarves with a Scottish accent and going off on each other and shooting lightning out of their horse. Yep. I used yep. to be able to do a good Scottish accent. I can't. I can't do a Scottish accent. That was about the most bullshit close I can get to doing one. <laughs> Which is sad. Because considering how much crap I give Ireland, I can do an Irish accent pretty good. In fact, I was talking to this Irish gal a while back on the phone, and she was like, wait a minute, I thought you said you were Scottish. And I was like, yes, I'm Scottish. She goes, you sound more Irish to me. I'm like, <laughs> I can't help it. It's in my nature. Click, <laughs> hang up. Yeah. <laughs> Never talk to her again. <laughs> uh, actually, no, the, the fun part is... Um, off topic, she moved to the Midwest. Oh, yeah. Because apparently the town she was living in got so damn blue pilled that even she left and she's a liberal. Wow. She's like, I can't stand it here. You know, just, oh my God. I'm like, but you're one of those touchy feely, you know, Beepies. single woman feelings before reels kind of peoples and it just. Squirrel Yeah. And she moved to the Midwest to... She married an American, moved to the Midwest to escape Ireland because apparently it was just getting too trashy. I'm like, wait, well, what? Huh. <laughs> but that, that's, <laughs> a, that's a complete side note. But then again, um, let's just go ahead and bring this little uh, off-topic story into topic. Okay. Ooh. And just say that, you know, she's moved here and now she's with her American husband. Now you've got a blend of two cultures. If they were to have a kid together and say we get the, the apocalypse within the next 30 years... Now their kid has a distinct ancestry, just like a player character would. Now, how would how would a player character relate to this? You know, you got a player character in the post-apocalyptic world. Oh, and his mother moved over from Ireland because apparently it was just too much of what she believed in over there, and she came to move into a conservative America. And now the child was born. Now you got a child who's kind of like half conservative, half liberal, so they're a moderate or whatever. So. You get that post-apocalyptic setting where you have a child who knows that either extreme is just too much. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, they're like, oh, well, you know, actually my entire family didn't come from this country. My mother is actually from overseas just recently. So, yeah. When you're building your character in, like, Dungeons & Dragons, Rifts, Warhammer 40k, Cyberpunk, what have you, Shadowrun, doesn't matter. You could actually do like a real quick lineage and still only have it within a couple of generations. But if you're playing a royal character, in my opinion, I would say at least seven steps back. Yeah, Yeah, and you know, another interesting note on this is anywhere that there's a branch, anywhere that there is a marriage or a meeting or a kid, you have an opportunity for that to be in a new country. So you can take, you know, Person A and their two parents. That's two branches. And then each of those two parents has two parents of their own. And then four, and then eight, and then 16. So you've got a very wide net in which you can go, Oh yeah, we came to this country there. Or, you know, if you're the lazy type of gamer, you could just do a traditional royal family and just make it inbred. I mean, that's also possible. I actually did that with a character one time, and it was really messed up. Because the GM was the only one who's like, yeah, that looks legit. Uh-huh. Right, so I drew out this family tree, and there was actually like a couple of the tree branches kind of curved back in and collided in on each other. But it was very, uh, I would say, like 1300s European style yeah. of a family tree. And like the GM gave me no shits about it because he'd be like, oh, yeah, it's really legit and close to history. 
And all the player characters are like, ooh, banjos and, you know, yuck, yuck, yuck. And I'm like, hello. It's such a pain in the ass when you actually, like, start actually, like, incorporating some of these thing aspects from history into your genealogy of your character. And the other players are just thinking, you know, fucking hillbillies. And you're like, no, this is an European-style game. Hello. I'd like to see that, though, you know. King's Great Hall, and instead of a throne, there's just like an old wooden rocking chair with a spittoon next to it. <laughs> Grandpa's got a Habsburg jaw. Yeah. <laughs> Grandma's got a club foot. <laughs> but she's playing one mean washboard, I tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I think... Or, talking about royal lineages, political marriage. Absolutely. Political marriage and a character's background would be a phenomenal thing to step into it. Yeah, because yeah, now... so Now get you this. get the argument of, you know, the, does the character want to have marriage happen because of formalities and tradition? Or do they believe in marriage out of love? Right. And you've got all these aspects. But, like, with a one political marriage, you can get up to eight countries tying together. Oh, easy. And it's, and it's just a matter of how they've been doing it in the past, you know? If each of those, you know, points in the tree is also a political marriage, you've got effectively a super nation that's been growing very steadily through politics. Russia. <clears throat> Maybe. Uh, sorry, I had something in my throat. You sure it wasn't vodka, comrade? Do not call me comrade, mofo. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you can do this, and you can mix heritages that way. You can mix cultures, you know. What is the child of a political marriage? They are two to four cultures that they're growing up with, probably spending time at either side of it. True that. So all of a sudden you've got a bit of travel experience, you've got a bit of experience with, you know, having your shit pampered and having maids help you with dressing or squires helping you get into armor or... God, I could use maids and squires. Yeah, yeah, right? It's an old bygone tradition. I kind of want to come back. That'd be neat. No, I just... No, I don't need maids for me. Aha. Uh -huh. Carrying on. Just saying. Now, a squire would be cool as fuck, though. Because like, I'd have somebody who stand there and laugh at me every time I hit a piece of metal and it just goes flying across the room and I'm like, oops, that was already sharpened. <laughs> <laughs> and they'd be like, well, Sir Goblin, I would advise against next time not sharpening it before you try to hammer in all those rivets. My bad. Cyber little Watson. Little Watson. Right? But, you know, now you've got... Right, Gov. Let's see. Let's say three cultures, you know. Parents were... Parents on one side were a political marriage, and your marriage is another political marriage. So you've got three different cultures. Like, learning from mom, one side. Learning from dad, another. And learning from, you know, grandma and grandpa, a completely different set of stories. And then that weird guy from the chocolate factory... And then that guy. Yeah. Anyway, we are near the end, so it's time for final thoughts on uh, genealogy and anthropology and background of characters and lineage. So, any final thoughts on that, gentlemen? Uh, final thoughts. Ooh, he's thinking. You know, um, boy, it's like you can see the gears are turning right now. The gears are turning. Okay, fine. I'll just head this up until you have time to lubricate your brain cells. Yeah. All right. My final thoughts on Lineage is it is definitely awesome for a player character, regardless of game setting to have, to at least include their grandparents or at least one person in their family at some point in time who's just awesome sauce, because everybody loves to have that one claim to fame. Yeah. Right? Like, everyone's well, started got their off, hero. Exactly. I started off this podcast by mentioning that there's about an 85% chance that I have Mongolian ancestors somewhere who got sloppy seconds after Genghis Khan and through the generations, here I am now. So, I'm not directly linked to him, and I won't make that claim, not unless I go get genetic testing or whatever, and by this point, the DNA diffusion would just be too much. But at the same time, it is kind of a cool thought to go, hey, you know, I might have an ancestor who's was working with Genghis Khan. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like that. You know, there's a famous person in my lineage. A lot of people do this also uh, with the reference I made to King John earlier, or you have... Uh, Charlemagne. He had a lot of descendants himself. So it is a claim to fame for a character in a game to go, well, you know, actually, I'm related to 
you know, it's not that far of a cry if you're playing a character who's in Waterdeep and says, oh, yeah, my great-grandfather, uh, yeah, he used to work with Elminster all the time. You know, and he was, like, one of the second in command when Elminster decided to do all his big magic shenanigans that made him worth writing in books. Or I'm related to such-and-such such king through royal marriage, you know, like, eight steps removed or 248 steps from the throne, which is way too far to be relevant. But every character should have that claim to fame, because everybody does. Everybody wants that one person in their ancestry who they can point to and be like, that's, that, that's, so, so, that's so cool! Yeah. That's my dude! He's that's my dude! He's from my family! He's from my family! Or I'm from his family, whatever. Or I'm from his family, exactly. So I think, you know, when you're making a player character, including somebody in your lineage uh, that's related to the core books or outside of the core books, just make some shit up if you want. But it also doing that makes your character more round and seems more realistic yeah. to have some sort of lineage and go look at those dudes. Yeah, you know I think I got something. I think oh. the opposite of that, it'd be cool, you know, for you and the GM to do like a lost lineage thing. Like maybe that's a little side personal quest for your character. You know, as you know, you go through the dungeon. You got the quest that was given to you by you know the local governor or king or whatever. But always in the back of your mind, you're trying to get who you know. Where do I come from? That'd be kind of fun. That would be an interesting. I'll try that for one of my characters. That would be kind. Of, that would be fun. Uh, I'm if gonna say just as my experience GM. as a GM, it could lead to a lot of room for the GM to uh, make one of the cardinal sins of being a GM, and that's playing your character or making stuff up for your character outside of the bounds of the player character. Okay. So it would take a, a really good GM player combo to pull that off. Okay. Yeah, and if you're gonna do that, you have to make sure that one your player is okay with that, like. My sister is making an amnesia campaign. It started as an idea from a post long ago, and it's made its way there. But the entire campaign structure is based around the lineage of one particular character and her entourage, which is the party, which is why they seem familiar that they know each other and all that stuff. But when you think about it that way, if the entire campaign is based around amnesia, or not remembering, or not knowing, then the GM has a lot of lateral... Uh, control that they can put off on that. Ideally, you know, GM is talking with the player and kind of brainstorming with them. It's like, you know, we could do this sort of thing, we could do this sort of thing, I can throw in five or six twists, and all of a sudden you have something that is collaborative instead of one-sided. Now, my thoughts on this is, you know, lineage in characters of any kind, of any nature, of any system helps your GM. Yeah. It helps your GM because what it does is it lets it helps them paint the world canvas without having to do the work. This is a big thing. There are a lot of campaigns where it's very rigid and everything's plotted out. Goblins, wheels within wheels within wheels within wheels. My bad. <laughs> but at the same time, there is enough gappage in those wheels that we can still paint little neat things into it. Right? Like, I think I had an idea that, like, white chocolate was not something that was on the, the realm. It was something simple, benign, and silly. But it was something that I brought to the table. I was like, you know what? I picked up a bunch of this stuff because at this weight I can use it as a trade thing. All of a sudden now I have this benignly rare commodity. It's not really going to do anything to the grander economy. But at the same token, it lets me feel like my character has something unique to bring to the world. Cool. You know, extra planar travel and all that shit. But <clears throat> it also lets you, as the lets the GM learn more about the world that they're playing in, and that's kind of an interesting thing to see from the GM side too. White chocolate. Yes, yes. All right, all right. Well, that was me, Game Goblin, Blunt Force Gamers. Find us at BF Gamers. Dot com or no, bfgamershq.com. We have our own website now. No, we're not, not .gov. We're not .gov. And we're not yes. .cx. We're .com. bfgamershq.com. I'll be checking that website out early and often and doing some blogs on there on top of our normal projects. So check us out, please. Yeah. I'm out. Moniker out. Kazakhstan, back to the skies. Uh, Colonel, I can't think of any relevant conspiracy theories. 
It's because there aren't any. I feel like something's happened. Something important. Heavy.